0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the fourth Doctor story, The Robots of Death. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stiga. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going, folks? Be sure to follow the secrets of Doctor Who in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, your favorite podcast app, or watch us on the StarQuest YouTube channel at youtube.com/slash StarQuest Media, where you should make sure to subscribe and hit the bell to get notifications. And I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Technology. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology. Now, I want to eagle-eyed Doctor Who fans, Secrets of Doctor Who fans will note that we're doing "Robots of Death" out of order because we've already done the f- one that follows "Talons of Wang Chiang. Hang," and that's entirely my fault. I don't know yeah. how I did it, but I got them reversed in the uh, in the
1: recording order. But that's okay. Oh, no, 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 Dom. You're supposed to see. See now they were aired in the order <laughs> that. This order, but really Robots of Death was produced after and we're following production order. Oh, that's that's right. Star Trek excuse. Yeah, yeah. It's all timey-wimey. So
0: so we're talking about Robots of Death and uh, that means, Jimmy, can you give us a recap?
2: This week, the fourth Doctor and Leela arrive on a sand miner in the far future. A sand miner is a large mobile mining facility that crawls over a desert extracting ore. This sand miner is crewed by both humans and by robots. The robots are programmed to obey Asimov's first law of robotics, so they can't kill humans. Except they are. But the human crew members blindly ignore this possibility. At first, the humans on the ship bicker amongst themselves about which crew member is the murderer. Then they blame the Doctor and Leela when they show up. But as more humans get killed, they stop bickering and start becoming reasonable, which makes this series more enjoyable. So, the moral of the story is, the more humans die, the more enjoyable the show becomes. Gotcha. It turns out that uh, one of the crew members, Dask, has secretly been replaced by a mad scientist named Terran Capel. Terran Capel is a roboticist who was raised by robots, thinks of himself as a robot, and is now reprogramming the robots to start a rebellion. So he gives the robots that classic robot order, kill all humans. There's also one good robot on board the ship that's an undercover cop. The humans and the undercover cop robot team up against the mad scientist and the other robots. In the process of defeating him, the doctor has Leela release helium gas, which changes the mad scientist's voice so the robots can't identify his voice and don't recognize his commands anymore, and he gets strangled to death by one of his own creations, the fate of all good mad scientists. <laughs> the end.
0: You know, I'd say that the whole it, changing the voice to hel- with helium... Is unrealistic because, you know, of course, a robot would be able to detect. But I have a HomePod here next to me that never can tell who I am, who is speaking. I'm the only person who ever talks to you. <laughs> who could possibly be speaking? So I, it's totally
1: believable, totally believable. <laughs> Father Corey, what's your overall impression of this uh, story? This is one that, as a kid, always creeped me out. Those those robots were just so creepy looking and of course they had you know the nice voice and oh we're so nice we're gonna kill all humans isn't that wonderful you know um it's actually you know it's actually a pretty good story i mean there is obviously the running around corridors and all that stuff which is a classic who complaint but it it's a pretty good story and it it does kind of talk you know show a little bit of the eth you know ethics of ai and the ethic and you know what's what are the consequences of of you know artificial intelligence and robotics and things like that um Yeah, it doesn't mention Asimov's Law, but it, you know, specifically that is Asimov's Law, but it does mention it that, you know, robots are programmed, first law programmed into them is that they can't kill. And so that's kind of a nice touch because this is probably about the time that people are starting to really recognize that contribution of Isaac Asimov was about this time. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. How about you, Jimmy? Um,
2: Well, I was at first, when you said robots of death, my first thought last week, my first thought was, oh no, and I was confusing it with the android invasion, which is a a fourth doctor story with Sarah Jane with androids, and it's often regarded as terrible. Um, (laughs) This was not terrible, it wasn't bad, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad, and it was basically enjoyable.
0: Okay, I I liked it. It was my first time seeing it, and uh, I thought it was it had good pacing. Uh, I liked the Agatha Christie style: dead bodies keep falling everywhere, and you start whittling <laughs> down the the pool of potential suspects uh, by by death, basically. And uh, I thought the doctor was very quippy, and I liked. Uh, Lila in this I thought she had some good moments in it mm-hmm. and uh overall uh, uh, really good uh, and Jimmy I see what you were saying about the whole like the bickering there's mm-hmm. a there's a certain style to these um Uh, It's almost like like the the, uh, modern version is Knives Out, right? That movie that was recently uh, Brian Johnson. Only Knives
2: Out is good.
0: Yeah, (laughs) but it's it's this like somebody's dying, but everybody left is bickering about it, and they just Mm -hmm. and like they're bickering. It's almost like this. the trope is that bickering and, and fighting is, you know, in the face of survival, you know, the need to survive is dumb and you know bad for you and will get you killed, I guess, or something along those lines. No,
2: I think the trope is we need to generate um, we need to d- generate drama while we're building the world in which the story occurs, <laughs> and so we'll fill that with pointless bickering to generate artificial
1: yeah. drama okay, okay, And it's Did, basically it's exhibition dump in in multiple persons is what right. it ends up being yeah,
0: yeah, does agatha christie like that does i mean i mean she's- widely regarded as a master of this sort of storytelling
2: yeah i'm not w I'm not a huge agatha christie fan <laughs> um, i i have i mean I've seen this story compared to i forget what they're calling it now um it's one of her most famous uh stories it's sometimes called 10 little indians it's sometimes called and then there were none i think that's what mm-hmm. they they've gone with these days the original title was like 10 little indians only it wasn't indians mm. ah. and um and the conceit of that story is just for once everybody dies and <laughs> and, and, and and everybody does die including the killer and, well, and, and, but they do reveal who the killer is by the end. And then the killer kills the killer, um, uh, just Wait. for completeness <laughs> sake. And, and, uh, and I found, I, I find a lot of Agatha Christie very contrived.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, this one, I, I, I mean, just contrived as, as it was, I, I kind of enjoyed the interplay. At least they built up some of the. The secondary characters, in fact, it was an Mm -hmm. extended scene of these. These guest characters before mm-hmm. we ever saw the Doctor and Leela. Yeah, and I
2: want to point out. So in that scene, they're like hanging out in this lounge on the Sandminer, and some of them are playing chess with this Onyx chess set. And I have that Onyx chess. <laughs>
1: oh, <set>. nice! <laughs> yeah, <Cool. laughs>
2: um, it's it uh, it actually. So theirs is kind of like white versus off white. My Onyx chess set, which my dad bought in Mexico, is white versus blue. But um,
0: but it's like, I have that exact, those are the cool. same
2: design for the pieces and everything.
0: <laughs> I wonder if uh, somebody went to Mexico on vacation and brought that back that's, as a prop. That's <laughs> what I'm guessing, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that's really cool. You know, the, the Father Corey, you mentioned how creepy the, the robots are. And it they are effectively creepy in that uncanny valley sense where mm-hmm. they kind of remind me a little bit of the clockwork uh, robots of the, um, the, uh, 10th doctor. doctor, um, the girl in the fireplace, you know, from, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh,
2: David Tennant, Stephen Moffat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was like France. It was Marie Antoinette, uh, yeah, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, Madame it, de Pompadour. Right. Exactly. Sorry. That's what I was reaching for. And so it was, um, they, they had this, this very stylized look to them. You even right down to like a hairdo mm-hmm. <laughs> that was going on. Uh, and, yeah, it was effectively commun- – in fact, several times in the episode, they bring up the whole concept of the uncanny valley without calling it that, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think anyone ever it, has said it. Nope.
2: It didn't have the name when they made yeah. this serial, but they do talk about the uncanny valley effects. For people who may not be aware, un- the uncanny valley is a phenomenon in human psychology where as something – Looks a little human, but not very human. It can be cute, like an, you know, an anime animal with big eyes mm-hmm. and stuff. And then as it gets closer and closer to human, it looks more attractive. But then when it gets too close to human, its attractiveness plummets. Mm-hmm. And that's the uncanny valley, because now it's a th- it's perceived as a threat. It's almost human, but there's something wrong here. Yeah, And, um and they talk about this in terms of how robots give off no body language signals and so it's kind of like being sur- being surrounded by robots is being like being surrounded by walking talking dead men mm. Mm. and so a- then that leads to robophobia which is they define on screen as the irrational fear of robots but it is you know creepy when uh when you have um Like, there's one character named Toos. She's the second in command on this sand miner. And a robot is coming to—we're seeing this from the robot's perspective. So we're seeing his hands come out and strangle her. Mm. And she's begging for her life. And the robot is just calmly going,
0: kill, kill. 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 Yeah, <laughs> I have to say, there's a number of these times where the robots go to kill somebody, and it's like you know, you could run. Yeah, <laughs> you could move out of well, range of the. Lands. Well, they're and paralyzed with they ant- fear.
1: We don't see it on screen, but they do say that they run faster and they don't tire. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah I, yeah I i get that but like the like she's at one point she's just kind of laying there like kind of exposing her neck waiting for the like the actress kind of messed up i, I guess you know and, yeah. and she just like laid there waiting and lifted her chin just to give him access to her neck <laughs> like or you could run uh but yeah yeah i i don't know that i would even knowing that they could catch me i'm not sure i would lay there and die yeah um uh, <laughs> But one of the interesting thing is, is that scene, that beginning scene, there's this whole discussion of how, like, someone's getting a massage from one of the robots. And uh, is it Poole who's mentioning? No, it's the first guy that died, Chubb, who's mentions mm-hmm. how uh, he heard a story about somebody who's getting a massage and the robot, like, tore his arm out, uh, off uh, in the in the doing and like that's impossible. It was this whole foreshadowing, like mm-hmm. it's impossible oh, yeah. for the robots to earn And as soon as he said that said, "Oh, robots going to start killing people in this one." Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well,
2: also robots of death in the title credits would kind of give you yeah. that impression <laughs> too.
0: Uh, there's that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. so. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I do like the fact that I mean, that maybe it's just me. I, I'm usually pretty good at picking out who the bad guy is early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one, I they they kept that suspense going for a while until they whittled the 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 uh number of suspects down a bit um It was still up in the air to me who it could be that yeah. was behind it all, so that was they, good.
2: they did a fairly good job of misdirection in this, trying to make mm-hmm. you think that the the captain of the sh- of the ship is going to be the bad guy, and he's not he His name yep. is Uvanov, and he once 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 they realized the robots are doing all this he instantly becomes totally reasonable and yeah. he and he and Toos are on the same side now we're going to fight those evil robots
0: yep. right right and, and they and they don't overdo like so, a lot of times they overdo the misdirection like mm-hmm. oh don't you think it's this guy it's like yeah. well since you want me to believe that so much probably not <laughs> yeah. but but no they
1: don't overdo it that that well, was they, good they they, they kind of take a nod that way where well you're the one who found the body I heard him scream from, like, two corridors down. Of course I found the body. I went looking for it, you know? <laughs> right, right. right. Um, it it was a
0: bit frustrating how long it took for them to get over the, the this idea that the robots couldn't possibly be doing this. Because the idea that someone, like, they, they say early on, oh, you couldn't possibly reprogram them to kill because there's so many layers of safety measures, yeah. except, you know.
1: Well, it, and he and we see later on towards you know when they show it, it he's not reprogramming them he's literally just burning that part of the the programming out of the robots mind right. basically right
0: right exactly which you know seems to be a little security flaw uh, yeah <laughs> maybe maybe don't make it a- putting easy putting some b- malware you know <laughs> yeah, right <laughs>
2: yeah maybe if you burn out the security part it also burns out their motor control and they just shut down
0: yes mm-hmm. th- that should be a fail safe yeah that would be that would be the way to decide it <laughs> Um, I, I do like, uh, so this is, is this the second Leela adventure, right? This is only her second um, before yes. this was. So she's still getting used to things. And this is mm-hmm. where we get the doctor explaining how the TARDIS is bigger on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
2: one of the few explanations in Classic Who of how that works. And they actually explain yeah. it pretty well. The doctor has two boxes, one of which is clearly larger than the other. And he puts the large box down on the TARDIS console table and then brings the smaller box up close to Leela and says, now which one looks bigger? And she says, well... The one over on the console is clearly bigger but it, in reality, but this one looks bigger. And he says, right. The trick is you just take the the one in the distance and shove it inside the near one now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so and she says,
1: that's silly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which it is. <laughs> I, I always I always love that first scene where you see her. She's, she's working at this yo-yo. She's trying to really yeah. focus on it. And she thinks it's required to run the TARDIS. Yeah, that you <laughs> yeah. run the yo-yo, it's part of the magic, <laughs> right? Yeah, he t- he he's t- he told her, uh, just keep it going up
0: and down. But he didn't tell her why that it was a toy. He just told her, yeah. "Here, here's a yo-yo. Keep it going up and down." And so she's intent. Like, mm-hmm. can I? St- when can I stop doing it, doctor? Which <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> was uh, very cute and very funny. It's like with a kid, I think. Um So one of the aspects of the uh, of what the 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 deaths is the The robots are putting corpse uh, markers on their victims, which is um, a robot deactivation disk. It's a Um, a disk that certifies a robot has been
2: deactivated. Mm -hmm. Right. And why they're putting them on people
1: it's never, never explained. explained really yeah. yeah and yeah and, and they, uh, what i i kind of chuckled because they look like the reflectors you see like people put on their mailboxes out in the rural areas i <laughs> no, think that's all a, they were i think it's that's just literally a reflector. all
0: they
1: were <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i put yeah put that up so the, the plow
0: doesn't take up my mailbox <laughs> yeah. to, to me uh, they
2: looked like bicycle reflectors like you'd put see, on the wheel of a yeah. bicycle yeah yeah that's
0: exactly what that is yeah um i i i did like the the whole world building they had here, this idea Mm -hmm. of a, I mean, this came out in, I think it was 77, which is right around Mm -hmm. the time of Star Wars, but I actually, I think before Star Wars, I think it was earlier in the year, but it's like a Jawa sand crawler. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of, I kind of got that, that vibe from it. And I like the idea, like you have a world full of sand and you're going to mine the minerals that are in the sand with these Mm -hmm. very big, uh, you know, if you do it on, the right scale it'll be worthwhile um and it's and you have this these different classes of humans but they're all working together and Mm -hmm. and i thought it was an interesting premise very idea
2: they also have thousand mile an hour sandstorms on this planet which Mm -hmm. they explain is actually good for the mining because it stirs up the ores in the sand making Mm. them more accessible so the heavier valuable ores don't just sink to the bottom and stay there
0: Right, and that's the source of one of our cliffhangers at the beginning of the first episode, because the Doctor and Leela have, the TARDIS has materialized inside the scoop, so that mm-hmm. they're standing there, and the scoop is open, and they see the storm coming at them, the louvers, like they have these louvers open, and the TARDIS has been taken away. Uh, because it was blocking the scoop, and so there, you we know, go, are they going to be torn to shreds by the thousand mile an hour sandstorm? Of course not, but um, you know, we we get that cliffhanger.
1: I, I did uh, have to laugh when I saw you know the clock coming down. All I could think of was Toy Story. claw, yeah. the claw, the claw <laughs> <laughs> would save us. Yes,
0: that was that was funny. <laughs> they and also, uh, I liked yep. how they so they they
2: establish a fairly complex society where with the humans as well as the technology, where the these people all seem, or largely seem to be upper class, and there are certain very powerful, very influential families, and then there are like nouveau riche that resent them. And mm-hmm. like the captain yeah. is from one of the nouveau riche families, and he's trying to make a huge amount of money, so they'll have, to, the the fancy families will have to treat him as an equal. And some, but some of his subordinates, um are are from these you know uh patrician families mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they're apparently like and this has happened in human history just cuz you come from a fancy pedigree doesn't mean you got a lot of money right now yep <laughs> and right. you may have to go to work on a sand miner to get your family fortune up
0: yep. right yeah, Zelda. Uh, Zelda is like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where's Link? Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, also, uh, also yeah.
2: they have, or Zelda is her name. Yeah, uh, Zelda. Zelda yeah. Um, they also did something that until they explicitly say human a bunch in the script, because that's what the robots are being told to destroy. So they establish very clearly these are humans. But at first, I wasn't sure of that because they have this interesting makeup job. And mm. they also have these interesting some of them some of them have mm-hmm. interesting hats. Um but all of the humans have this kind of mascara that goes not around I, I, I guess you normally put mascara just on your eyelashes, is that right? I think so. Yeah. But instead they've got it up over their eyebrows and it makes kind of like a domino mask around their eyes and then it goes down their nose and Connects on their nose, so it 's this interesting looking makeup thing that I thought might signal they were aliens, but nope they 're human, so that 's just a cultural affectation of the future,
0: yeah, yeah, um yeah, Chubb and Zilda were from the upper class, uh, and Dask, who is is actually Taryn Capel. Later on, he ends up re- putting on makeup that makes him look like the robots. It's, he's at mm-hmm. this clear, like he, he wants to be, a he robot. thinks of himself as a robot. Uh, so it was interesting. The robots come in basically two types. Three. The, three. Three. Well, there's the, the uh, light green Vox, the mm-hmm. darker, almost blackish. Uh, they are black.
2: Yeah. Is it black? Yeah. Okay. The yeah. black, uh,
0: the, the, <laughs> the old so, so here,
2: tape it, is at, hard to see. At, at the top, you've got su- the Super Vox, yep. and he's like, he has a voice, that's why it's Vox, mm-hmm. and he's intelligent, that's why it's super, and he's silver. And then in the middle, you have the Vox robots. They have voices. They can talk. They're just not super, and they're green. Mm-hmm. And then at the bottom, you have the dumbs. Dumb meaning mute. They do not right. have a voice. And, and they're wearing blackface. These are robots in blackface.
0: How <laughs> racist
2: can you get?
0: <laughs> they're, the, they're the laborers. They're the, 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 yeah, the yeah. dumb servants. And uh, although our uh, undercover robot cop... Uh, which is should have been yep. the title of the of the yep. story that would be yeah that would be much better <laughs> um he's and actually i really like this character mm-hmm. i mean yeah he he needs some help along the way and he's partnered with a human Paul, who's there as an undercover yep. uh cop until and, as
2: leela said he says his mind is broken he eventually yes. freaks out and is useless for the rest of the story
0: <laughs> i know he kind of disappears uh and uh but I do like having the D eighty four. I think is mm-hmm. uh, is, is, yeah. is or D yeah D It is. it is.
2: It's D eighty four, and he's a really great character. Um, mm-hmm. He's he appears to be a dumb. But he's actually like a supervox he's mm-hmm. he's in he's intelligent and has a voice and is capable of independent reasoning and and is sensitive to human social situations and has a realization that not all animals have, which is not everybody knows the same stuff. a lot mm-hmm. of animals think if I know it, everybody knows it, and no, that's not true mm-hmm. um and he he so he's like pleased he in talking to Leela and the doctor. You know, he he'll say, please don't, you know, give me away. I'm not allowed to speak. You'll have to speak for me and stuff like that. Right,
0: right. There is a great. So Lila and the doctor, they end up they show up at the wrong, you know, the wrong time, uh, the wrong place, at the wrong time. That makes them look like the the killings must be them. People started mm-hmm. dying when they arrived mm-hmm. and couldn't be the robots or any of us. So it must be you. And uh, that was and such so a they, trope back in Patrick Troughton's day. Yep. <laughs> right the right the doctor did,
2: did, would show up and is immediately accused of whatever crime has just been committed <laughs>
0: right, right. Yeah. yeah they're bringing it back um and so they they they're brought you know into this lounge area and they're being interrogated and there's this great scene where like the doctor has a couple of really nice lines on this that bit where um he's like reaching for some jelly babies and um you know he offers it to this guy borg and he, Borg, like smacks them out of the doctor's hand. And he's, he's, you could have just said, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <was Yeah>. like,
2: <laughs> no, thank you would have been sufficient. I also <laughs> love that be, that scene. I was, as we were approaching that moment, it's like, oh, this is where it's from. Um, yeah. The Sycorax Rock uh, has a, a fourth doctor parody called Pridonian Rhapsody to the tune mm. of Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. And it, there's one moment in that song where uh, the lyric is "Do not throw your hands at me," mm-hmm. and as uh, and in the video, it has that moment where the doctor is offering a, a bag of jelly babies, and then the other character just slaps it out of his hand, and that's the video image synced with the lyric "Do not throw your hands at me." Slap! <laughs> well- <laughs> it's a
1: really great moment, and it's like, oh yeah, this is where it comes from. Well, and then and then later on. Um there was a, a a robot that was trying to get to Leela I think it was mm-hmm. V6 and she's able to trap the robot's hand in the door so then the robot detaches his hand mm-hmm. well then when the robot gets in it picks up the hand and throws at her and she says do not throw hands at me yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, and of right, course you what, know yeah. to throw hands is to fight you know yeah yeah throw <laughs> hands that's funny
0: <laughs> The doctor also gets a nice uh, insult off on uh, Borg. He says, uh, you're a classic example of the inverse ratio between the size of the mouth and the size of the brain. I'm like, "Oh, burn. (laughs) He's a really good burn on on Borg on that one.
2: Oh, Uh, by the the way, I meant to mention, um, I mentioned that that some of the humans have hats that are really weird-looking hats. Uh, Here's how I describe them in my my notes. Zilda has a silverfish fin hat. Mm Mm-hmm. Uvanov has a tall backwards a tall silver backwards flower petal space hat and Touss has a golden mohawk spiderweb space hat.
0: Those are accurate descriptions of the Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah those are, that's a good way to describe them. I wonder if there you were know, some,
1: you know they don't really say anything but I wonder if they were meant to show like authority, positions of authority. Right Something, or yeah.
0: Yeah, or uh, status. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: cuz yeah. Uv- Uvanov has I mean, all three of them are high ranking, I gather, and yeah. Ivanov has the tallest hat. So I assume that signifies he's in charge.
0: Yep. Yes, we should we should re-implement that in our society. Like the the bigger the hat, the more important you are. Like well, we've you know, got
2: it in church.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right, we do. But you know, the president should wear a sto- a stovepipe hat like Abe Lincoln. You know, that should be a, <laughs> that would be amusing to see. Um, so Ivan, one of the things that gets Ivanov – uh suspicion from zilda is this secret that he's carrying around which is that he was responsible for or they believe he's responsible for killing a man by exposure on the surface uh 10 years ago that mm-hmm. man being zilda's brother right and, and
2: when she finds out she's all revenge you're a murderer now right,
0: right before a robot kills her mm-hmm. <laughs> right right and she's she's dead right there with the evidence and in the, uvanov's quarters so therefore you know <laughs> red-handed you know they think it must be it must be one and pool and carol were both witnesses which is uh interesting that pool would have been a witness because he's an undercover cop so was he undercover there that's interesting
1: well didn't he say something about that he was away from the yeah. miners for a while oh, so he was okay. He was probably on his crew and then left to be the undercover cop and then came back
0: i see i see yeah that that could be it well, and then um,
1: eventually, then we find out later on that really Uvanov tried to prevent uh, Zilda's brother from going out, but he went robot crazy. Yes. And, right. And, and so ship. Actually, actually,
2: Uvanov, Zilda is wrong. She misinterprets the connection between her
0: brother and Uvanov. Her, Uvanov actually tried to save her brother. Yep. And Uvanov feels guilty. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that. not that he killed him but that he didn't prevent it that he didn't see it and save him in time yeah um which you know is is admirable that's a it's virtuous on his part then
2: Unfortunately, early on, everyone is just bickering and mm-hmm. none of this Im- relevant information. The characters, therefore, never learn any of this relevant information from each other because they're they're bickering so hard. Yep. And it's like, oh, come on, guys. Let's not bicker about who murdered who. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> this is supposed
1: to be an happy occasion. So, you know, one thing they do good, though, with Uvanov's character is, you know, at the beginning, he's he's all about... I'm going to get the ore. I'm going to get the money. I'm going to be rich. You know, it's me, 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 selfish, materialist, you know, Mm -hmm, capitalist. mm -hmm. But he does change throughout the story. Yeah, he's he's got got, a real character arc. You know, as he realizes the danger they're in and as he realizes, you know, the problems that are going on, he does change very quickly. He's not worried about the the money anymore. He's worried about saving people's lives Mm -hmm. and not just his own.
0: Right. He he is a a melting faceted character, which is good um I, one thing i like about leela is that you know she's she's she looks like a savage she looks like unsophisticated barbarian but she instinctively understands what's going on better than these supposedly sophisticated humans here mm-hmm. and and i like that 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 leela gets to shine in this one like that so that that was really yeah. a, a good aspect of it yeah um i note also great. that Dask is is one of those villains who doesn't like to gloat. He's actually, the doctor actually gives him a chance, you know, when he's about to kill the doctor. He's like, wouldn't you like to tell me your whole secret plan? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was no, monologuing. no monologuing.
1: No monologuing.
2: You know, one thing, so one thing that's nice about this, other than, there are a couple things that are, from a Doctor Who lore perspective are interesting. One is that we get an explanation primitive as it is of why the TARDIS is bigger on the inside than the outside. Mm -hmm. And, and basically the doctor says the insides and the outsides are not in the same dimension. Mm -hmm. And for what you could communicate to a 1970s TV audience, that's pretty good. You Mm. know, Um, the, but then the other is in terms of lore building is the doctor says his age in this, he says he's seven hundred and fifty years old, which would mean three hundred years have passed since uh, Tomb of the Cyberman, when right. Patrick Troughton said he was four hundred and fifty. Um, so the, so both of those are are interesting from a from a sort of lore building perspective in an otherwise somewhat forgettable episode. You yeah. know, I <laughs> mean, it's not bad; it's just somewhat forgettable, right? Um. It would have been more interesting if they like we never get to see uh, uh, Poole, who's named after science fiction writer Frederick Poole. right? Just like the roboticist. Um, it's not Poole, uh, yeah, Poole, uh, yeah, Poole Anderson. Yeah, Pool. Yeah, sorry, Pool Anderson. The the roboticist Taryn Capel is his name is meant to re- be reminiscent of Carol Capet who yes. was the author that wrote R-U-R, the play that introduced the word robot. Oh, right. Because um, yep. it's like an East, in an Eastern European language that um, that Capex spoke, it means drudge. Mm. So a robot is a drudge. It's something that you do you create to make labor. It's an, it's an artificial man to, to mm-hmm. do labor, to basically be a slave. And R U R stands for the comp- It stands for Rossum's Universal Robots, which is the company that makes robots in the play.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I do remember that. That's why that was familiar. I'm like. Why is that name so familiar? But yeah, yeah. That's
2: that's good. And, and and they actually have a robot rebellion in Rossum's Universal Robots. Like they're <laughs> trying to start in this one, mm. only that one is successful. Mm. <laughs> yeah. well and that's one of the things that that um hey baby you know, why don't we get together and kill all humans <laughs> yeah
0: one of the, the sad bits of this is the the solution was to blow up basically the alien the uh, robot brains uh mm-hmm. to ha- make their heads explode um and it is d84 the the good robot yeah. who sacrifices himself to, to to take out the other mm-hmm. robots and that that's the uh the the, the sad ending of uh d84 Although right.
2: he's very calm about it, it's like yes. yeah, I forget what he says, but it's like you know, see you later. <laughs> and <get> my friend, <laughs> <laughs> and it blows get up all their heads or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, oh, but what I was saying is, we never get to see Pool working with D eighty four. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just imagine the trailer. I mean, you know, one of them human, one of them's human, one of them's a robot, and together they've got to go undercover to stop crime. You <laughs> yeah. know, and it's like, okay, robot human
1: buddy movie, undercover cop buddy movie. That sounds fun. Re- well, this- RTD, are you listening, <laughs> Russell T Davies? Are you listening? We need this for the universe oh. The seventies,
0: the seventies had a lot of those like buddy cop shows, like you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, Starsky and Hutch uh, sort of thing. So that would have totally worked. <laughs> that's what i was just thinking a
1: speech flying around in a spaceship with the red and white stripe the starsky hutch red and white stripe love that car that was awesome <laughs> um
0: uh the only the only other thing I, I wanted to mention was just like the the use of the helium to change mm-hmm. uh the voices and Why do everybody's that <laughs> yeah. and and the and the doctor's voice doesn't change, and at least they give us an explanation. Yeah. like the doctor, she asks him, "Why didn't your voice change, doctor?" And he's and he explains because he's a, a Gallifreyan and he's got two hearts and whatever you know some some a, cockamamie story, but not affected by
2: helium <laughs> because of his respiratory system.
0: Yeah. Yep. Right. Right. Uh, maybe Tom Baker just didn't want to suck helium and have his voice change. Well,
2: it it also can be. I mean, there could also be a plot reason for that, because if his voice – he's talking before mm-hmm. um, before Capel um, starts trying to give his countermand orders, you know, don't kill me. Mm-hmm. And if, right. if Tom Baker's voice had changed before he gave that order, he could have realized his own voice was going to be affected too. Yep. And right. that, so it could have tipped him off, and he might have been able to find some other way of saving his life.
0: So uh, one thing I forgot that even better than the the, uh, the clockwork robots of um, going on the fireplace, this is actually much more like these robots are much more like the ones in the Voyage of the Damned in the mm-hmm. Spaceship Titanic mm. visually the, uh, the, yep, the angel like ones yeah even to the point of their very pleasant voices and the in, including when they say kill 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 which is yep. very similar so th- that I have to say visually
1: oh, they look the yeah. same
0: yeah um, Father Corey any other notes on this one.
1: I love Lila when she first has to fight one of the robots. You know, she's got her knife out and she's fighting and you know, she throws the knife, the knife sticks it, and the robot just knocks it away. Oh now you're just showing off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was yeah, that was good.
0: <laughs> uh, uh Jimmy, any other further notes? Well, I like that they
2: even though they don't name it, I like that they've got Asimov's first law in here. Because mm-hmm. we do need mm-hmm. if we're gonna have robots, we need safety features like that. Um, the, I didn't like all the bickering, but I did like how everyone became reasonable, you know, at a certain point. Um, I, I didn't like a couple of, of bits of outdated science that we have in this story. One of them is the doctors, I, I, someone's saying it's impossible for robots to kill, and the doctor says, well, like, what about bumblebees? It's impossible for them to fly. it You know, according to the laws of aerodynamics, like, no, it's not. It is not <laughs> impossible for bumblebees to fly. Um, it." it
0: Although, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. it, this does actually bring up the whole, the fourth Doctor loving bees and being possible, you know, that whole uh, headcanon about the, the Doctor being the beekeeper in the mm-hmm. sixth or seventh Doctor's time? I forget seventh, what it was. seventh. Seventh Doctor's it? Yeah. time. Uh, sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah. Yep. And and someone, because this is a far future, not all the humans know what bumblebees are. One of them says, what? And the Doctor says, Terran insects. Mm-hmm. And he pronounces, instead of saying Terran, he does say Tehran. Terran. Insects right. like the capital of Iraq, the capital yeah. of Iran. Yeah. Um, also, there's a bit later on where uh, one of the characters is giving Leela a glass of water, and she tastes it and says it it tastes. You know, it 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 has no taste. And the 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 guy on the sand miner says, "Yeah, um, you know, water, you know, on a sand miner never has a taste." and it's like okay we got multiple problems here first thing if you've ever drunk distilled water which is what he indicates this is mm. distilled water tastes terrible mm. yeah we need yeah. those minerals in it to to make it taste not terrible mm. um the so if you j- if it's just pure h2o oh man the taste is awful if you don't believe me go down to the store buy a bottle of distilled water yes. take a slug you will see <clears throat> what i mean yeah mm-hmm. um But actually, water does have a taste. That's why distilled water tastes awful. It's just, it's such a mild, ubiquitous taste. We're so used to it, we think of it as if it's no taste. But really, water does have a taste.
0: Right, right. Um... All right, so I think that does it for this discussion, and Mm -hmm. we'd now like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Doctor Who, including George C., John Y., Norman S., Jessica K., and Manny T. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest, and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Simon Yannick, who edited this episode for us. So that's it from us this time. What did you think of The Robots of Death? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You can watch The Secrets of Doctor Who on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash starquestmedia. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the first Doctor story, The Myth Makers. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Don. <laughs> and Jimmy Aiken and friend, thank you as well. Uh, for me and my, uh, my companion canine, thank you. <laughs> and folks who aren't watching the video Jimmy's got uh, a a beautiful dog in his lap and once again I'm Dom Bettinelli thank you for listening to the Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest and remember if people see you mean them no harm they never hurt you 9 times out of 10